Welcome back to Resolved. We all encounter difficult issues at times. Life can get tough and it may seem impossible. But no matter what and through it all, Jesus Christ is the answer. And through Him, we can rise up and be more than conquerors. Today's message is about giving your children back to God. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Have you recognized that they are also a precious gift? Learn why ultimately they belong to Him. That's coming up next on Resolve. Now, let's join Pastor Tom Porter. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Genesis, Genesis chapter 22, and we'll look at the beginning of Genesis 22 just in a moment. The question is, have you ever given your children back to God? Have you ever given your children back to God? And some of you are thinking, I'd like to give them back to God. Uh, I just don't think God will take them. And uh, the truth is, there's not a parent uh, here who hasn't had a few moments or a few days uh, that they wouldn't have liked to package up their kid and take him to God's customer counter and want a refund. And some child came to my uh, mother one time and he said to mom, he said, Mom, what would you like for your birthday this year? And she said, I would like to have three well-behaved children. And her little son said, well, that means there would have to be six of us here in the house, you know? Yeah. I'm not suggesting you return your kids to God and try to get your money back. But I, I do want to ask you if you've ever given your child back to God. What I'm asking is, have you ever really recognized that your children are a precious gift? A precious gift. My mother used to call me precious. I didn't like it. I, was, I played football. I threw discus. I played, I was a jock. I, don't, don't say that, don't call me precious, and certainly don't call me precious in front of any of my friends. But the older I've become, the word precious is a very precious word. I remember going to school and we used to have to stand and, and say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. First time I ever did that was in first grade and uh, the teacher said, now place your hand, your right hand, over your heart and say the pledge. So I took my right hand and I put it right here. And the teacher scolded me. And she said, will you explain to me, put your hand over your heart. And I put it right back here. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, that's where my heart is. I was first grade, and my grandmother used to pat me as I walked through the room. Bless his little heart. Bless his little heart. <laughs> I didn't know the anatomy of the human body. I hadn't had biology yet. Have you recognized that your children are a precious gift of God? They belong ultimately and always to God first, not to you. You see, there should be a special bond between parents and their children. Some of you are having to raise your children as a single parent. Because a single parent has to be both mom and dad, I believe that there can even be a stronger bond because you are playing the role of mom and dad with your children. For example, a famous athlete, he was a pole vaulter named Bob Richards, he shares a moving story about a skinny little boy 
that wanted to play junior football. And he never got to play hardly at all. And certainly when he made it into high school, he was faithful. He was at every practice. And his, his father was at every game cheering his son on every game. But you know, those whole four years in high school, this young man never once played in a game. Oh, he was there at practice. He was enthusiastic about football. He loved the game. And his dad told him, you don't have to play football if you don't want to. He said, but dad, I just love the game, the strategy and, the, and getting out. And I just, I love football. Dad, I'll play someday. Well, high school graduated, and now he's going to college. It's about two hours away from home, and he, uh, he thought to himself, you know what, I'm going to try out for the football team. I'm going to come in as a walk-on in this college. And everybody was amazed. The coach read his reports about his high school football and noticed that he never played in a game, no stats at all, bench warmer. He was half the size of all the other players. And everybody was amazed that the coach took him on, put him on the football roster. And people said, why? Assistant coaches said, why? He said, I like his heart. I like his spunk. He's like a little uh, spark plug on the team. And he's like a, he, he cheers on the other guys. He motivates the other guys to play. And so for all four years, with the father, he called his dad. He made the team. He called his dad on the phone. He couldn't wait. He said, Dad, I made the team. I made the team. And Dad, I'm sending you tickets to all the home games. You'll be there, won't you? And he said, oh, son, you bet. I'll be there. The last year of college, Still not played a game. He's going out on, a, on, on Tuesday to go to practice, and the coach met him out on the field with a letter in his hand. And the coach said, son, I got a letter for you. And the guy opened up the letter, and he looked up at his coach, and he said, coach, my dad has died. Would it be all right if I miss practice today? And the coach's heart just sank. He says, son, that's okay. You take the whole week off. And, and, and you don't even need to come to the playoff game on Saturday. You go. You go. And so next Saturday rolls around, and the game's in its third quarter. And the young man drives all the way back up to school, goes into the empty locker room, suits up, goes out, and everybody's amazed. Wow, look at that. He's coming. Man, his dad just died. He died, you know, earlier this week. He's here. And the young man walked right up to the coach, and he said, Coach, put me in today. I've got to play today. And the coach just acted like he didn't hear him. They were down by 10 points. And he said, Coach, please put me in today. Please today. I've got to play today. Still, they're down by 10 points. It's the fourth quarter. And the coach says, all right, go in. The kid played like a star. It was amazing. Everybody was saying, who is this kid? They're looking him up. He's never played. We, what position? He was blocking. He was tackling. 
Uh, man, he, he got, the team got tied up, and in the last seconds of the game, the young man caught an interception and ran it in for a touchdown, and they won the game. The place went crazy. The kids, all the, all the other football players, put him up on their shoulders and cheering on, and, and the locker room was filled, and soon it was all guys had finished their showers. They'd all gone out, and the coach comes out of his office, and there's that little kid sitting in the corner. His dad just died. And the coach said, what happened to you today? You were awesome. He said, coach, you know, my dad died. And you know that he cheered me on. He was at every game. But there's something that you never knew. He said, my dad was totally blind. And today, for the first time, my dad saw me play football. I wanted to be proud. I wanted my dad to be proud of me. And you see... God is looking down. You're a child that God has created, and he longs to have a relationship with you through his son, Jesus Christ. And like the athlete's father, God is always there cheering for us. Our loving God is always reminding us to go on, to stay at it. Don't be a quitter. God has never missed a single game. What a joy to know that life is meaningful if lived for God. Live for the Creator who is watching us in this game of life. Parents, your children need to know that truth, that God loves them, and God will cheer them in life. It is up to you to introduce them to God and His ways. Parents, have you ever released ownership of your children to Him? Understanding God is responsible for the way in which they are designed and always knows the plan and the purpose for your child's life. Have you realized that God has left it up to you to show them God's way? That's that's your responsibility as a parent. The Bible says to train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he'll not depart from it. There's plenty of biblical examples of this. One is very familiar to all of us, and that's Hannah, who prayed for a son. In 1 Samuel 1, 27 and 28, For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him, and therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. That's giving your child back to God. Of course, you remember Joseph and Mary, who brought the baby Jesus after the eighth day of circumcision to the temple to be dedicated to God. But the example of parenting that I want to bring out today is found in Genesis chapter 22. And let's see what God would have to say to us about giving our children back to God. May we pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that today we will see the importance of giving our children to God. And maybe there's parents here that have children who are adults, but they have yet to give their children back to God. There are parents here today that wish they had given their children back to God at a a younger age. There are parents here today that wish they had done things differently. God, we're thankful that you're a God of grace and a God of mercy, a God of second chances. So may we see today the importance of dedicating, giving our children back to God. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said. Abraham loved Isaac. Look with me at Genesis chapter 22. Look at verse 2. 
It says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him. Isaac had been a miracle baby. His mother was uh, over 80 years of age. His dad was 100 years of age. (laughs) You just try to put yourself in Abraham's place. It was incomprehensible, painfully, uh, for, for Abraham to strap his dear son on an altar and a stack of wood and to raise a knife. Ever wonder why God asked Abraham to perform a human sacrifice? Now listen carefully. This is a test that God was giving to Abraham. God never, God, listen, God is against sacrifice or human sacrifices. The heathens would do that. And God was going to give us a foreshadowing of him, God, the Father, giving us his son to die on Calvary's cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That's our problem here on earth. We're sinners in need of a Savior. God did not want Isaac to die, but he wanted Abraham, the father, he wanted his heart so that it would be clear that to Abraham that Abraham loved God more than he loved his promised and long-awaited son. God was driving home a point into the heart of this man, Abraham, that you're to love me more than your promised son that I gave to you. Look at verse 13. God provides a substitute, provides a ram. Verse 13 reads, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went back and took the ram and offered him up for the burnt offering in the stead of his son. God always provides a way out. And so God is providing, showing Abraham. Again, it's a foreshadowing. It's a, it's a sign of what's to come. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That word means forgiveness. There's no forgiveness of sins. Again, our problem is a sin problem. Sin cannot enter into heaven. And so we, needed to have, we need to have our sins forgiven. But God's uh, the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, but God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus, the lamb of lambs, the lamb without spot or blemish, Jesus Christ gave his life on Calvary's cross for you, for your sins to be forgiven. You as a parent must have faith in God that he will do the work in your child. Our job is to train the children up and have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you know the best thing Abraham ever did to Isaac was to tie him on that altar and surrender him back to God? Why? Had Abraham refused to give Isaac to God, he would have forfeited all of God's promises and plans for Isaac. Isaac would have lived and died in obscurity, a nomad, a nomad, a nobody. And because Abraham obeyed and gave Isaac back to God, Isaac received the fullness of God's best plan and promises for his life. Isaac became successful. Isaac became the forefather of God's own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaac's life is still having an impact on him, blessing millions of people worldwide through his offering. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me at verse 18. Verse 18, and in thy seed, he's telling Abraham, shall what? All nations, 
all nations, not just the Jewish nation, but all nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because thou hast obeyed my voice. How is all nations blessed? Through Jesus Christ coming through the seed of Abraham. And here's the, here's the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you, has the Lord Jesus Christ blessed your life? Oh, yes. You've been through the valleys and the, the rivers and the fires of life, and God has blessed your life. He's gotten you through it. And so you and I need to, to learn from Abraham today. If we refuse and we fail to give our children back to God, we may very well be forfeiting God's best plan and God's best purpose for our child's life. And when we entrust our children back to God, we secure for them the promise of God's best purpose and plan. Many parents make the mistake of guiding their offspring away from the will of God. You don't want, no, no, you don't need to go to, to, to the mission field. Why, a missionary has to be independently wealthy in order to do what they need to do. Man, I, I, I've seen parents do that. God's called me to be a preacher, a young man says. And dad said, well, you know, son, yeah. You know, you, you got to do better than that. Oh, man. Man, there's no higher calling. Be a preacher. Give the good news to rescue the perishing and care for the dying and tell them that Jesus Christ loves them when nobody else loves them. When you feel like you're just living in hell on earth, God loves you and God desires to snatch you out of the miry clay of your sins and to save your soul and, and, and give you a home in heaven. There are four elements of giving your child back to God. What does it mean? Listen carefully. Giving your child to God is a confirmation of your love for God. The first thing you, you are saying when you give your child back to the Lord is simply this, that you love God even more than that child. There's nothing more precious than a child. Your child is the most prized possession, but don't allow them to take the place of God. I've seen parents they forget the things of God. They put the things of God aside for their children. And who loses? The child loses. The parents lose. Heartache is around the corner. If they'd only aligned themselves up with God and lined their children and, and told them about God and, and told them that, that, uh, about the goodness of God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Say, I love you, child, so much that I want the very best for you. And if it means giving you to God, if it means punishing you, if it means giving you limitations, it means changing my life as your parent for your spiritual benefit, I'll do whatever it takes. And this is exactly what Abraham provided by his willingness to offer Isaac. He was demonstrating that his love and fear for God was supreme in his life above everything else. Abraham loved God above the most prized treasure of his life, his only son. Matthew 10, 37 says, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Not only is a confirmation of your love towards God, giving your child to God is a clarification of ownership. 
When you give your child back to God, you are openly declaring that this child is a gift from God. This child does not really belong to you. This child belongs to God, and you have the privilege to love and to train this child. But this child is not yours. It's God's. I've told you before, you want to know what you're, you want to, you have a plan for your child. Even at birth, you have a plan. Even before birth, you perhaps might have a plan. But as you see your child grow and, and grow up and you have a preconceived idea how you want your child, you want your child to be godly. You want your child that whenever times come and they can't run to you always, but they can run to a loving God. You want to train your child to read the scripture, to, to have have peace in their heart about God's will for their life. You think about how you want your child to be when he or she is 30 years of age, and then you go back to the present, and you think, okay, now what have I got to do to get him to that place? That's training up a child the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. We better be careful how we treat and care for God's property. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is is His reward. Listen, God did not authorize the state to raise your children. God did not authorize daycare to raise your children. God authorized you as a parent to raise your children. Contrary to what some would say, Hillary Clinton wrote a book, it takes a village. No, it takes parents. You're the responsibility for your child. Not only a confirmation of your love for God, clarification of ownership, giving your children to God is a commitment to to raise your children God's way. Ephesians 6.4 says, we are to bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Listen, to give your child to God is a commitment. And we live in a commitmentless society today. We have people that do not want to commit. Well, I will if, if I've got time. I, I, I will if, if I'm the last person. <laughs> I love this. When people say to me, well, now, Pastor, if you can't get anybody else to do it, <laughs> then, then call me. Guess what? I'm not going to call you. I want people to say that are committed. I don't want leftovers. I want, I want, I want people that say, I'll commit. I'll do it. And I'll, and I'll be consistent about doing it. And that's what we ought to be with our children. We say, Father, I'll be committed. Well, hang on to your hats. To be a godly parent requires getting right with God. Parents, you got to get right with God. You need to teach your child of Christ. They need to be saved. Love your child, even if loving them means disciplining them. Or letting God discipline you. Pray for your child. Train your child. Stay married for your child. Make your home a holy place. Put away worldliness. Live a righteous life. The Bible, uh, I like what Joshua told the children of Israel as they settled into their new home, the promised land. Joshua in chapter 24, 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods, little G-O-D, the gods which your fathers served and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
This is the kind of commitment God is looking for in parents today. Not only a confirmation, the love of God, and the clarification of ownership and commitment to raise your children, but lastly, giving your children to God is a claiming of God's plan. You claim that plan and the promises for your child's life. Isaac inherited God's blessings, his protection, and promise because his dad, Abraham, gave him back to God. Look at Genesis 22. Let's start at verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hath not withheld thy son, thy only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed, look at this, as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And the seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Your children are blessed by your obedience to God and they'll be cursed by your disobedience to God. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not depart from it. So I may say to you, do you know Christ is your Savior? Has there been a time in your life that you recognize that you were a sinner? So the Bible says, for all have sinned. That's everybody in this room. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We know that sin cannot enter into heaven. So we have a problem. We're all sinners and we need want to get to heaven. The Bible teaches that if we don't accept Christ as our Savior, we go to a place called hell. Man, you're not supposed to preach on hell anymore. Hell is just as real as heaven is real. And God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to go to hell where there's eternal torment. God wants us to go to heaven. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Eternal separation should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. How long is that? We have an ocean called the Pacific Ocean. The biggest body of water. Let's say if it was possible, if we drained out all the water out of the Pacific Ocean. And you were told that you were to put one grain of sand at a time. You were to train a sparrow. You pick up one grain of sand, fly over that empty void called the Pacific, and drop the sand down. Now, you'd have to train a lot of sparrows to do this, one at a time. But that sparrow would go one at a time, and for all the many, 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 many thousands of years, and you would say, now, we want you to put all one grain at a time into that big void until it's as high as the highest mountain. You know what? After however many years that would take, it's like a second with God. Everlasting life. You know, when we die, we don't just go in a hole and that's it. Our heart doesn't just quit quit beating and we just fall dead and that's the end of everything. We're just out. Game over. That's it. That's not what the Bible tells us. To be absent from the body, the Bible says, to be present with the Lord. 
oh, God is so good. God is so kind. God, God loves you. And God does not want you to die and go to hell. God says, I, I want you to go to heaven. So I'm going to give you my son, Jesus Christ. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Tom Porter of Temple Baptist Church in Titusville, Florida. I would like to thank you for joining me in this podcast and bringing the good news that Jesus Christ is the risen Savior. There is no problem too big and no blessing too small when Jesus is the Lord of our lives. I would like to ask you a question. When you die, where will you spend eternity? Will you spend it with Jesus forever or be eternally separated from him? You know, the Bible says, whosoever calleth upon the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved from their sins. You know, it's God's desire for you to have faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Your sins have separated you from God. You must admit to God that you're a sinner and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Jesus bridges that gap between you on this earth and heaven. Will you accept Jesus as your personal savior today? It's easier than you think. You can pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I realize that you paid the penalty for my sins on the cross, and I want to receive you into my life right now. Save me from my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, then you've been born into the family of God. Thanks for listening. Resolved is a production of Temple Baptist Church, Titusville, Florida, USA. For notes on this message and others, you can find them at resolved.podbean.com. If you wish to send us a question or comment, you can email us at resolved.tbc at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at Resolved Podcast. If you're ever in our area, we hope that you'll come by and see us. Remember, Jesus is Lord. Take care and God bless you.